The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn News. From LinkedIn News, this is Get Hired, a podcast for the ups and downs of our professional lives. I'm Andrew Seaman, LinkedIn Senior News Editor for Job Searches and Careers. Each week on Get Hired, we'll talk about leveling up. Sometimes we'll talk about finding work. Other times, we'll talk about excelling where you are right now. But through it all, we'll focus on how to stay true to yourself in the process. Easily one of the most dreaded parts of the job search process is writing your resume. So, On a podcast about job searches and careers, I thought we should tackle this topic. A few weeks ago, resume writer Kamara Toffolo joined me on my live show, which, in case you forgot, is conveniently also called Get Hired, to dispel some resume myths and get down to what's important. The first thing I want to ask is, you know, how important is a resume to the modern job search? Because resumes have been around for a long time. They are essential. And uh, they've been around a long time, and really, they're not going anywhere. Here's a fun fact you can use on Jeopardy someday. Many, 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 many years ago, Leonardo da Vinci actually wrote something that looks very similar to a resume. He wanted to break out of the one-horse town of Florence and move to Milan. So he wrote a letter to the Duke of Milan detailing his qualifications in hopes of being hired to build bridges and sculptures in the city. It worked. So if you're struggling with your resume, don't feel too bad. Da Vinci probably did too. Why do you think people dislike writing resumes so much? Yeah, that's a relatable feeling. Um, I think there's a few reasons why people don't like to do it. First of all, writing about ourselves is really hard. We're too close to the information, like we're living it. And also job postings, which we should be taking our clues and cues from in order to write great resumes. They aren't written that well themselves sometimes. And so we're kind of at a loss for like, and guessing almost like, what does this employer want from me? Um, And I also feel like we might be making the task of writing our resume a little more onerous because some of us aren't taking the time first to identify a target job. So we find ourselves pressured to really write a document that appeals to anyone and everyone and every job on the planet. Uh, And so that also makes it almost an impossible task. Yeah, and I will definitely get into that more in a little bit. But I think you made such an important point, which is if you know your audience, it's so much simpler because you know, oh, these people work in tech. These people work at Amazon or something like that. Okay, so let's start off with the biggest and most important resume question of them all. What are the key traits of a successful resume? Here's Kamara. Fundamentally, a successful resume shows that we are qualified for the job to which we're applying. Uh, And we also want to make sure that in showing those qualifications, we're helping the reader really see and determine that we are qualified. And that's where we really use accomplishments to reinforce the skills uh, and qualifications that we're claiming on our resume. 
you know, we talk about how people have an aversion to writing resumes. So when they say, you know, oh, you need a resume for each job, it's sort of like, oh, dear God. But what is your advice when it comes to customizing resumes? So I don't want job seekers to be rewriting a resume for every single new job that they're applying to. That tells me they haven't taken the time to identify their target job or target jobs. um, And they need to take a step back, do that first, and then approach the resume writing process. Kamara's big on the idea of identifying your target job, and for good reason. It goes back to knowing your audience and really knowing yourself, which is a key part of the job search process. But what about putting a little something extra in the mix? Will that move the needle? You always heard about people doing really creative things with their resume, like sending a resume as like a picture cue or sending a resume attached to a, to a pizza box or, or something just out of the box. And I think that a lot of people, they do have pressure to say, oh, how do I stand out? What's your advice for people when it comes to creativity with resumes, to get the attention, to get near the top of the stack? Because obviously, if everyone's trying to be creative, it just creates a lot of noise probably for recruiters and hiring managers. Absolutely, it does. Um Whenever we're writing our resume, whatever we're putting into our resume, um, the stories we share, we always need to keep the reader in mind. So if you are adding a little bit of flair to your resume, you need to ask yourself, is this going to take away from the reading experience or is this going to help and support? In most cases, a designy resume is not going to help you because at the end of the day, the recruiter is looking to make sure that you can do the work, you can do the job. And so what is most important is what you're writing and how you're writing it and making sure that it's easy to understand and that it resonates with the reader. Like basically you're speaking your language or you're sharing accomplishments that make sense in the context of the role to which you're applying. We want the reader to almost visualize in their mind as they're reading our resume that they can see you doing that job. So I don't include any images in my resumes at all. I've seen it done well by professionals, but uh, I don't think it's necessary. And I think a written, simply structured document is the way to go. And I guess that brings up another question because we talk about customization and everyone has a resume that they could tailor and say, okay, I'm going to tailor it for this company or this specific position. But Everyone also has a LinkedIn profile, or at least I hope everyone has a LinkedIn profile. How does the resume work with the LinkedIn profile? How, how do they overlap? How shouldn't they overlap? So in terms of the overlap that I think makes sense is the overlap in terms of the accomplishments that you're sharing on your resume as well as your LinkedIn profile. So you can share a lot of the same stories uh, that really reinforce, again, your qualifications for your target job. Uh, But with LinkedIn, we've got a lot more space to be creative and share and and write more and interesting and personable details about ourselves. And so that's what I like to see on LinkedIn is certainly we're sharing those accomplishments, but um, sharing things like, how did you end up in this job? Um, How did it prepare you for your current direction? Um, Where are you headed now? That's exciting. So sharing those little tidbits kind of really brings back the social side to the social media that is LinkedIn. In the modern job market, one of the biggest unknowns and even worries are applicant tracking systems, or ATSs. They're basically just systems that help recruiters and companies track candidates through the hiring process. But misconceptions and rumors have made them sound like resume-munching robots. Here's Kamara. There has been a lot of hype in 
marketing and, and other media that the ATS is a really big deal and really it's not. And uh, the reason that candidates or job seekers really needn't worry about the ATS is because it's really not as smart as marketing and media have made it out to seem. Uh, and recruiters are reading resumes. So there, there's often talk of a robot. It's a complete misnomer to refer to it as a robot. It doesn't have a brain. It doesn't know how to accept or reject candidates based on resumes. And also recruiters, from what I hear, and I talk to recruiters every single day, is that the ATS are inherently flawed. And so they rely on themselves to read resumes and make a uh, determination whether to put you forth for an interview or not. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, Kamara answers a grab bag of resume questions about everything from hiding your age to using an objective. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. We're back with resume expert Kamara Toffolo. There are so many different opinions on how to structure your resume. So, once and for all, should you put your experience in chronological order or in functional order? Here's Kamara. I hear so many complaints across the board from people in hiring positions that they dislike a functional resume. Uh, they much prefer to see the reverse chronological order because it's easier to follow and it's easier to see how your career has evolved and how you've grown as a professional over the years. Um, and sometimes there's ch- uh, job seekers feel challenged because they might have career gaps or they might be career transitioning and making a big career change. But that doesn't mean that you need to use a functional resume. There are other strategies that you can use to address those things that you might be worried about. When you write a resume for today's job search environment, should you lead with skills or accomplishments? So accomplishments are the meat of our resume. We want to include skills, but skills are backed up by and demonstrated by our accomplishments. So In the resumes that I write, I do include a skills section to give a quick snapshot of those skills uh, fairly early on in the resume, and then we get into work experience. An awards and accomplishments section is not required on a resume because you want to integrate awards and accomplishments into your work experience. So it should be categorized with the job in which it happened. Can you discuss the need and content regarding the objective slash summary piece of the resume? Sure. So um, objective and summary are not the same thing. I don't even know how an objective ended up on a resume because it's not a good idea. Um, And a lot of us were taught to use an objective. So basically, the reason that an objective is not valuable on your resume is because it's 
is very self-serving. Um, it's like, I would like to obtain a job where I can grow professionally and get promoted and become a boss. Like, we're not going to include that. But when you get down to it, the resume is like a marketing document. You're marketing yourself as a service provider. And so a summary, on the other hand, uh, can be a short snapshot of the best aspects of you as a professional, your best strengths, attributes, skills uh, that you bring to the table. I include them on every resume because it's almost like a, a bit of a warm up to, to introduce the reader into the rest of the resume. But uh, I've heard that it, if you go without a summary at the top of your resume, that it's not going to hurt you so long as you are showing your qualifications in your work experience. Yeah. And I think I think it might have been you, actually, that told me once, and I think it's the best description of a summary I've ever heard, is that if you do the summary at the top of the resume, you're setting the narrative for the rest of the reading. So mm -hmm. basically, you're saying, okay, this is the sort of color that I want you to read the rest of the resume in. So it's not just them reading the bits and pieces and coming up with their own uh thought process about, oh, okay, this person would fit in here or there. You're basically saying, I want you to read this as if, and this is how I'm explaining myself. How do you suggest people write their resumes when maybe they don't have what other people who've been working in that industry have been for a while? So first of all, it's really important to be quite clear on why you're making that transition. And so being very clear on on what drew you into that new career is what you're want, going to want to nail um, because you'll be asked in interviews. Uh, in terms of resume, the structure is going to stay the same. We're going to have the reverse chronological order of work experience, but how you share your accomplishments is going to change. So you need to treat yourself as a translator, essentially, and you have to take what you already accomplished in your career and reframe it so that it makes sense in your new direction. Um, it, it sounds like a daunting task, but again, it's going back to being in the shoes of the reader and imagining what they want to hear from you and what would make sense to them. I know a lot of folks who are early in their careers or closer to retirement who feel like they struggle with the right balance of information to include. Should you omit things before a certain year? Should you try to beef up your resume with things like college coursework? Here's Camara. So specifically someone who's uh, older than 55, there is, there is no like, if you're 55, then you should cut everything from this point. There are none of those rules. Every situation is different. Uh, and what we should be asking ourselves is, is this experience relevant? And does this experience show that I'm qualified for my current direction, for my target job? In terms of the little uh, tactics uh, that we can use, the small adjustments that we can use on our resume to mitigate uh, people doing math about our age is we can start to trim some earlier work experience. And if it is relevant to our current direction, we can include some of the best highlights under, say, an other work experience highlight section like with a few bullets. And that would come at the end of our work experience and professional experience section. Uh, and also you can cut the, your graduation date from when you obtained your degree or certificate or diploma or what have you. And I cut that also for young people too, because ageism works both ways. 
Definitely. I, I think that's such an important point. And the other thing that I think uh, should be addressed, and, and tell me if you agree with this, is from talking to recruiters, there are a lot of people who they sometimes cut the years off of their jobs thinking, well, if I should, if I cut the years off of my graduation, I'll cut the years off my job. But recruiters that I've talked to basically said that's a red flag for them, not because they think, oh, this person is old, but this person's trying to hide something. Um, so you don't recommend doing that, do you? I don't recommend doing that. And that takes us towards the direction of a functional resume, which we want to avoid. But again, you can use a highlight section to cherry pick the best highlights from your earlier work experience. How do you shorten a resume when you just have so much experience to share? And <laughs> I think this is this is always like the million dollar question is like, can you go to two pages? Can you go to three? It really depends. Um, in terms of number of pages in a resume, there is no hard and fast rule. I like to see one page for someone with less than five years work experience. And I like to see two pages plus for someone who has more than five years work experience. And yes, you absolutely can go on to three pages. The longest resume I wrote, I believe was five pages, uh, but that was for someone who was C-suite level. One question that's been on the minds of a lot of job seekers the past few years is how do I make sure my resume is setting me up to get a remote role? Here's Kamara. If you have worked remotely, make sure that you state it. So, um, for example, what I've often included on my clients' resumes if they've worked remotely is in the location uh, of the employer, I would put uh, remote from wherever to wherever the um, actual op physical office of the employer was. So that identifies that you work remotely. Uh, and then in the description of your role, you can also mention that you worked remotely or that, especially for leaders, that you led a remote team dispersed across whatever geography uh, or that you collaborated with a remote team dispersed across wherever. Uh, and then in your accomplishments, you can also mention ways that you leverage collaboration tools to create efficiencies, let's say, in the business amongst your team. Uh, and then in your skills section, you'll want to make sure that you're indicating collaboration tools that you've used as well that equip you and enable you to make a difference in your next remote role. After all of that, your resume is perfect and you've submitted it for that target job you want. Now what? Should you follow up? Here's Kamara. Yes. So, Absolutely. After you submit your application, you should follow up. And LinkedIn is a great way uh, to find recruiters uh, and reach out to them directly to let them know that you have applied to a job. Make sure you do that first and then um, follow up with them about uh, potentially sitting down for an interview. In terms of following up post-interview, I would definitely say make sure that you send a thank you message post-interview within 24 hours, and then consider following up every week or uh, every couple of weeks thereafter to stay top of mind and to reinforce your interest and qualifications for the role. Before I let her go, I asked Kamara if there was one thing she could suggest we all do today to improve our resumes, what would it be? Basically, when you are sitting down to write your resume, I want you to step into the reader's shoes and imagine you're them reading your resume and make sure that with every bit that you put into your resume, every story you tell, ask yourself, does this show I'm qualified for this job? 
because that's what you need to share in your resume. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Kamara. I got so much out of this conversation and I know everyone else did too. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Shaping up your resume doesn't have to be painful. In fact, thinking about the story that your experience tells could teach you something about yourself and the work you thrive in. And speaking of thriving, it's time for my favorite segment, our job search win of the week. This one is from listener Shafin. Hi, my name is Shafin and I'm an international student in the UK. Um, I'm originally from Bangladesh and have been living alone in the UK for the last five years. As a person of color coming from a non-target background, my job search uh, has been quite uh, challenging. However, I'm very happy to share that recently I secured a work placement at a multinational company in central London. So I want to share with everyone that never give up. Congratulations, Shafin. If you want to share your job search win, send us a voice memo at gethired at linkedin.com. We might just share it on the show. Remember, it's up to you to put our advice into practice. Still, you always have a community backing you up and cheering you on. Connect with me and the Get Hired community on LinkedIn to continue the conversation. You can also join my weekly Get Hired live show every Friday at noon on the LinkedIn news page. And if you liked this episode, leave us a rating on Apple Podcast. It helps people like you find the show. And of course, we'll continue this conversation next week, right here, wherever you like to listen. Get Hired is a production of LinkedIn News. The show is produced by Michelle O'Brien with help from Gianna Prudenti, Taisha Henry, Derek Carl, and Wes Wingo. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original audio and video. Dave Pond is our technical director. Dan Roth is the editor-in-chief of LinkedIn. And I'm Andrew Seaman. Until next time, stay well and best of luck.